is a message that is kind of hot off the press. Uh, I went to bed last night not even fully ready. It's not what I would recommend if you're a communicator, a speaker, a pastor. Um, it's just something in my spirit. In fact, this whole week I was at a conference. Uh, you guys know we host a Relate conference here. It's a regional event. Um, and, but the kind of the mothership conference was this last week. A national conference was this week in Florida. I was down there suffering for Jesus. Praise the Lord. And, uh, but... But uh, my spirit got so full that sometimes it's confusing as to what to do with it all. And, and I was struggling with what to even say. Uh, but this message kind of surfaced uh, uh, really recently. And I just want to pray that God uses this and helps. But we've been in a series entitled Home Improvement. Has everybody enjoyed this series so far? Today we're going to talk about parenting. Okay, We've been talking about different aspects of relationship, marriage, friendship. You know, um, and, 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 and dating last week with Pastor Keaton. Come on, everybody. Did he do a good job? The rookie in the house, killing it, did a great job. But today we're going to talk about parenting. I think it's funny that the advice we rejected from our parents now we're giving to our kids. Right? Isn't that weird how things change? But home improvement is dedicated to basically improving the home, improving the relationships in our home. And they need improvement, yes or no? But the first institution created by God was the marriage and the family unit. And it is the cornerstone of society, whether it's uh, seen or, or experienced or not. It's, and, and it's the foundation. And if that foundation is cracked, if it's fractured, if it's broken in any way, it affects society. It affects everything that's happening. As the family goes, so goes society. Amen. Amen. Oh, you're doing good talking back at me today. But if the family is strong, come on, somebody, society is strong. My daughter, had, my daughter Morgan uh, had this great quote she said, and I, I, I stole it and put it on my social media so I could get all the followers and likes. But she said, if the home is a safe environment, then it doesn't matter if the world isn't. I just want you to see how important, that's really good, isn't it? I want you to see how important the home is and how important what we do in parenting. But what I want to do is I want to zero in a little bit, a little bit more particular aspect of parenting. I want to... It's, it's going to apply to both parents, but it has a special emphasis on the dads. I almost did this on Father's Day, but I, I really think it needed to happen now because of what's happening now. And so, dads, I'm asking you to kind of like tune in a little bit more. Clue in a little bit more. Lean in a little bit more, okay? Because you have a primary role in the parenting of children. And unfortunately, we, we, we as a society... Fathers have abdicated that role. They've been absent in that role. And I think it's so important uh, that we see our role in the home. Amen? But quickly, let me just give you kind of three reasons why God established the family. I'm going to move kind of quick because I want to get to some meat and potatoes at the second half of this message. So can you guys track with me pretty fast? If you're following along in the church app, I'm, I'm trying my best. The ABL, I'm trying my best to follow the notes. But I gave you stuff way before I was done. So you just... Trust the Holy Spirit and be led by him. Amen. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, I'm going to paraphrase this. But God gives three reasons for the family, okay? And he says, I'm going to summarize. He says, let's make, let's make man in our image, in our likeness. Uh, so God did that. He created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. And he says, God blessed them, and he told them to be fruitful and increase. Everybody say increase. So God creates man in his image. Everybody say image. Amen. Then he said, I want you to increase. Say increase. Amen. Or you could say multiply. And then later he says, I want you to rule over the whole earth. 
everything that's on the ground, everything that's in the sea, the birds of the air, everything. I want you to have dominion or I want you to have rule over that. So there's really three things that God established the family for. One was to reflect him. It's to be a mirror of him on the earth. Reflect him. Everybody say reflect. That's what Genesis 1.26 is telling us. It also tells us that we are called to replicate him. We're to multiply. We're to, we're to increase. It's not just numerical. I believe it's influential. We're supposed to influence the world around us. Families should influence the world. We should influence society. We should influence the values of society. We should permeate all aspects of culture. And it comes from the nucleus of the family. Come on, somebody. TC Framingham, I know you're with me. And then lastly, we're called to rule, which is not, it's, it's really to our lifestyle, our methodology should, should impact the world. People should look at us and say, I want to live like that. Okay? So there's three reasons why God created the family. But before the family started, it all started with one man. I want you to get this, guys. I mean, it's going to come out early, and it's going to just keep coming over and over and over again, okay? It all started in the garden with one man. Everybody say one man. one man. And this is significant. Before the family came, before Eve was taken from his rib, before Cain and Abel followed, and the offspring continued, it all started with one man. Now, what happened is, and we know this, and I'm spinning through things quickly, sin entered the world, okay? It entered the world in the garden, and, and, there, and things got all jacked up. Everything got jacked up after that. But before sin entered the world, uh, God and, 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 and man walked with God. The Bible says in the cool of the day. And, and the family was blessed relationally, emotionally, spiritually. Before sin, there was blessing on the family. But because of sin, there have now, we, were, we, are, we inherited, because of our original parents, certain uh, negative characteristics and qualities <laughs> You could call them qualities, but maybe not so much so. Characteristics from the fall of the first family. In other words, we inherited certain biological and spiritual characteristics from our original mom and dad, Adam and Eve. Are you with me? Amen. And some of those, without unpacking them today, I wish I could do a whole thing on the fall of the first family. But we, we really, victimization was the result. And the roots of victimization are guilt, blame, and shame. Guilt, blame, shame. And we've been trying to improve or fix those things on our own efforts in the Old Testament, and we failed. We failed. So God provided a new option for us. The Bible says through one man, everybody say one man, through one man's disobedience, sin entered the world, the first Adam, and because of that, we all suffer. We suffer certain consequences. We, as the descendants of our first parents, we, we suffered. But the Bible also says, and I'm skipping ahead, I'm going to give you some of the middle, uh, the fluff of it in a little bit, but through one man's obedience, come on somebody, one man's obedience, that's Jesus Christ, and because of what he did on the cross, you and I don't have to suffer because he suffered for us, and we can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus, we can be free, we can be blessed, and our children and our children's children can be blessed as well. That can be, not always is, your future. I'm preaching already, aren't I? I thought this was going to be a teaching message, it could be a preaching message. But in other words, home improvement is possible because of one man, that man being Jesus. All right, so... So God started everything with one man, then he starts a family, uh, then the family falls, and, and then he's got to, ultimately he had to start over. In Genesis chapter 6, um, you know, we, 
because of what happened from Adam and Eve, things went from bad to worse, and the world got so messed up, and God looked over the whole earth to see, is there anybody who's following me? Is there anybody, is there just even one person that I can, that I can work through, that I can burn through to be able to change society and culture again? And he couldn't find anyone except Noah, one man. I should have called this message one man. Um, I'm, getting a better, I'm getting better as the message goes along. By second service, I'll have it all worked out. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but he finds one man, and that man is Noah. And this is not in your notes, I don't think. But in Genesis 6, God tells Noah, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring floodwaters on the earth. I'm not happy the way things are going. Every creature, everything that breathes, everything that has life, it's, it's all over. But I'm going to establish my covenant with you, Noah, one man. And you will enter the ark. Then you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives will be with you. Then the family will follow you into the ark. Are you with me, everybody? Yeah. And if it wasn't for him, they wouldn't have followed him. If it wasn't for him, they wouldn't have followed him. I want you to remember that. I wish I could just put that on repeat and just have it playing over and over in your head, okay? So when God wanted to start something, he starts with one man. Everybody say one man. One man. Who follows God, Okay. And then he rebuilds society through that family unit. Now, I hope you guys believe this. I hope you guys get something in your spirit today. By the way, we prayed for every seat in this room this morning. And yesterday we had 100 people praying for the services today at all locations. So I just want you to know, you're, you're in holy ground this morning. God's already working even before I started talking. God's already speaking even before I started speaking. And so I hope you can just open up your heart and mind. The Bible says to incline your ear unto his say, attend unto his words. Amen? Amen. Proverbs chapter 4. So I hope you're ready. Are you ready this morning? Amen. We need strong families. Yes. Families that serve and follow after God more than any other time. But I'm just, I just want you to see, it all starts with one person. And, and I want to say, sometimes you come from a broken home because of what happened, because of the characteristics of the fall. And so if you don't have a man in your life, if you're, just, if you're a single parent raising your kids, God can work through one woman. God can work through one godly mom. God can work through one person who's fully devoted towards God. I'm just trying to make a point of how God started it in the beginning. Are you with me, everybody? So don't get offended. I'm not, this, don't get gender uh, focused on this for me, okay? Recently, I was in prayer. This was a couple of days ago, and, and I prayed, and I was praying, and I saw this in the scripture pop at me. You ever read something like a hundred times, and then all of a sudden something just jumps? And the phrase that jumped off the page was, the God of my father, the God of my father. And it's actually in a lot of places in the Bible. I'm going to highlight just one in just a second. I don't know. Have you ever seen that before, the God of my father? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know, the Bible will talk about things like that. And so I, I, just, I just took a moment and I personalized it to myself. And, and with great gratitude and, and with a, a sense of uh, a good fortune, I thought to myself how blessed I was and how impacted I was by a father who went from atheist to a born-again believer, a person who was far from God to close to God. And his devotion and his commitment and his fervency and his faith and his dedication uh, and his lack of passivity but passion and how much it influenced my life. I was just thinking, man, I serve the God of my father. I serve the God of my father. Because of my father, I serve the God of my father. Now, everybody has to make a decision for themselves because God has uh, no grandchildren in heaven. There's only children. We're all God's children. We all have to choose. 
We're all God's creation, but we must choose to be his child. Okay, so just because my daddy chose to be a child of God doesn't mean I'm automatically a child of God. But because he chose to be a child of God, I'm influenced to want to become a child of God and serve the God of my father. Are you with me, everybody? This is good preaching right now. And because of that, three generations of pastors have sprung forth as the offspring of that commitment and passion of one man. Everybody say one man. I wonder how many, within the sound of my voice, that are listening at all locations and even some places around the world, have underestimated the significance of their influence spiritually on their offspring and on the next generation, on the future of your children. I want my kids to say, not just now, but later, when I go from this life to the next, and hopefully I'm just going to be taken up because I'm hoping I'm going up on the first elevator. Come on, somebody. But, but when and if that day comes and I, and I don't see death, we could be the first generation not to see death. I'm praying for that. Because I'm not afraid of death. I just don't like getting dead. Come on, somebody. I'm not afraid of death. Death has lost its sting with me because of Jesus Christ. But nobody likes getting dead. Amen. But anyway, let's just say that I, I, I don't get to experience that. I want my children to say, I serve the God of my father. Genesis chapter 31, it says this. This is Jacob. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the, the fear of Isaac, had not been with me, you would surely have sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands, and last night he got it. He intervened. He intervened. This is Jacob, the son of Isaac, the grandson of Abraham. He's, I thought to myself when I saw this, the God of my father, what if his father served a different God? What if Isaac served a different God? At this time, Isaac was still alive. Jake, Abraham was gone. He had gone home, gone home to be with the Lord. But what if, what if, what if Isaac didn't serve God? How, what would Jacob's life have been like? What if he never prayed? What if he never went to church? What if he never obeyed God? What then? What would be of the generations after them? What good, what good would have come? Would God have been with Isaac and now Jacob like he is being shared? Would he have come through the test and the trial at that time or in the future times? Perhaps not. Perhaps not. It's, it's very clear to me and it should be very clear to you that in this particular text and many like it and in your own life, he saw something. He heard something. He observed something in his father that was passed down to his children and to his children's children. He would have to choose, we know that, but the God of his father eventually became his God. Is, is something getting through to you guys this morning? Are you guys transferring this? So can, can that be said, dads, can that be said of you today? That your children will serve the God of your father. They'll serve the same God you serve. Will they say that? See, why will children follow you? Uh, I put this in my notes. They serve God the way you serve God and them. They will serve God because of the way you serve God and them. It's very simple. And the other reason that I think they'll serve God, number two, is because how you were brought up, God backed up. They saw it work. They saw it work. It has, you can't just... Go to church, you have to be the church. You can't, just, you can't just put something on the outside that's not going on on the inside. They need to see it translate what you talk about, actually work about inside your marriage and inside your finances and inside your, your personal life. Are you with me, everybody? They need to see it backed up. 
the way you were brought up. Are you with me? And so the impact of the commitment of a father versus or contrasted with the passivity of a father is very, very important. And so I have two biblical examples. One I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to literally race through uh, to give you kind of a contrast. But let me give you this verse in the Bible. So again, fathers, mothers, do not underestimate the significance. Before we get into all the particulars of parenting, I just want you to see how important it is, your commitment. See, my kids are more secure, not because of what I tell them, but because of what they see in the relationship between me and Stacy. You know why my kids are secure? Because of how I love Stacy and how Stacy loves me. You know why your kids will be secure in their future? Because of how they saw you love God and how God loved you. Oh, my God, this is good. Thank you, Lord, for a lack of preparation but the anointing. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, it just popped again. Fathers, everybody say fathers. fathers. Do not exasperate your children. Why do they get exasperated? Well, because... Instead, it says, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. In other words, stop yelling at them, screaming at them, or on the other side, ignoring them, not even being involved with them. In the Hebraic culture at this time, the primary role of, the, the primary role of training and development was actually the dad. And the wife was the helper. How have things changed? My how things have changed tremendously. Can I just say an unfortunate, and I just want, I don't know how to say this without, uh, this is a testimony. This is, I hope it's not seen as arrogant, but I really believe, my dad, my dad led us spiritually in my house. My dad was the one who got up every morning and had devotions with us as kids. My mom was still in bed. My mom's in bed right now. She doesn't, come, she doesn't see daylight until like somewhere around 10 or so. And she'll be here for the second service. God love her. I love my mom. My mom's a night person, okay? And so if you need prayer, see me at night, okay? That's how my mother is. But my, my father rose early. And he was the one who was out in the kitchen, you know, preparing not only breakfast, but preparing the word of God for his kids. And I just want to say, generations have been impacted by us, by that, by that life and that lifestyle. It's not to be underestimated. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I'm standing here right now. Amen. And I just, I, I, I just, I'm so thankful. So there's two different guys in the Bible. I'm going to highlight two. One is named Eli and one, two E's. Which E do you want to be? Eli or Elkanah? One guy you've never heard of before. One guy maybe you have. But Eli was a, was a terrible, he was initially a good leader, but he was a bad father. What a, what a common occurrence today where you can be a very successful man out there but a very unsuccessful person in your home. What a common testimony now. What a common occurrence. You know, you take in the world and you got, you got more degrees than Dr. Fahrenheit, more dollars than you can possibly count. But at home, you don't have the respect and you don't have the honor of your own children, and they don't want what you have, and they don't want to follow who you are, following your footsteps. They don't want the, the person that you're, you're put on the pedestal. They don't want that. I think they want the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's who I think they really want, and I think that's what make the biggest difference. But, but in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 13, uh, Eli had become a bad father, and here's the result. Because of it, his kids were unruly, and I'm going to highlight that in just a few minutes. And it, but it was because he wouldn't restrain them. It says in verse 
13, uh, 1 Samuel 3. 1 Samuel 3, 13. I don't know if you have that. But it says, for I told him that I would judge his family forever because the sin he knew about, his sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. 1 Samuel 3, 13. So, see, Eli, he knew what was wrong in the home, but he didn't do anything about it. Parentheses, passivity, close parentheses. The, the number one problem that men have, including myself, is passivity. The number one area it shows up is spiritually. Spiritually. I could build a mighty church if all we had was women on the planet. But we need men because men have a stamp of leadership and influence that is very significant in the economy of God. But the enemy tries to do everything possible to make you just watch what's going on and do nothing. And the Bible says he failed to restrain them. And as a result, I'll quickly go through this. Families suffered. There's Bible for that. I'm not going to go through it. People suffered. And then judgment came. Because one man did nothing People suffered, families suffered, and there was judgment. And that's exactly what is happening today in society. Today in society, whatever you see out there is because of what's happening in our homes, in the nucleus of our homes, and at the core, because men don't lead their homes. Okay? Now, contrast. I'm out of the bad news. Everybody say, ready for some good news, Pastor? I'm ready. Framingham, TC, you ready for some good news? Okay. So now, when men do something, I want you, I, I, I highlighted what happens when men don't do anything, when they do nothing. But when men do something, this is what happens. Now, this other guy you've maybe ne never heard of, but this is 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. How many like this message so far? Yeah. All the women said amen. <laughs> it says this, now, everybody say now, there was a certain man of Ramathaim, Sophim, if you can do better than that, knock yourself out. Of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah. Everybody say Elkanah. Elkanah. So this, this, this story centers around a person that most people don't know. He didn't perform miracles. He didn't call fire down from heaven. He didn't part the Red Sea. Um, but, but he's the man. Let me just tell you something. He's a regular guy. He's not high profile. Um, but he shows up, and he has a massive impact on his marriage, on his family, on his world. Okay? And, and understand something before we go on. Um, some things that are going on in the world, they, uh, they never need repair. Like the sun's always going to come up. The moon is always going to shine. The stars are always going to be hung. God established that by his word. It's always going to be that way. Some things cannot be repaired. In other words, once you burn time, you can't get time back. Are you with me, everybody? You wasted it. It's over. The only thing you can do is redeem it and move on. Some things, if given a chance, will repair themselves. Like, for example, the human body is pretty miraculous this way. If you give it the things that it needs, it, it oftentimes, when it's broken or when it's, it, when it's unhealthy, it can fix itself. Amen? Some of you praying that happens a little bit more regularly uh, uh, if, if, if given a chance. Certain relationships even can, can uh, repair themselves. Like, you know this to be true. If you're a parent, uh, you've seen this when your kids were young. How many have kids under 10 years old? Boys and girls under 10 years old. Oh, a lot of you. Okay. So at that, in that particular phase, boys and girls don't like each other. Boys don't like girls, they're gross, cooties. Girls don't like boys, they're disgusting, they pick their nose, they're gross. They don't have anything to do with each other. But give it time, it will repair itself. You get know what I'm talking about? Like, 
hormones and pheromones and puberty and all that kind of, you just give it a little bit of time, things are going to change, everybody. I heard this pastor share this funny poem. He said, one little boy wrote, kisses have germs and germs are hated. Kiss me, baby, I'm vaccinated. <laughs> In other words, they get over it. They get over it, okay? But here's, here's where I'm going. Some things that are broken that go from bad to worse will continue on that trajectory unless God fixes it, unless God heals it, unless God gets involved and repairs it. But it's, it has a catalyst for all of that. And this guy named Elkanah was a man in the shadow of his wife, Hannah. Hannah's kind of famous Bible character. She's the mother of the, of the famous prophet Samuel. But in, but in context, Elkanah's a big deal in this story, in context. In other words, context means like if you, if you say something like uh, David in the Bible fought a guy and he killed him. That's great. That's awesome. Nobody does any cartwheels over that. But if I said David was a, was a boy, a young man, and he killed the guy, not with an M16, but with a slingshot and a stone. And by the way, it was a nine foot seven inch giant. It's a totally different story, right? Because of context. Because of context. So I want you to see the context of this. In 1 Samuel 1, 1, it says now. Everybody say now. In other words, now has to do with timing. It means Elkanah comes on the scene in a certain time, in a certain space in history, in a, in a, in a certain environment. What kind of environment? Well, Judges 21, 25 was the environment. It says in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So there's no moral authority. People are choosing whatever they want to do. They, they can decide how they want to live. This, this, they, everything is permissible. This is when Elkanah, he shows up in the middle of that. That's the world in which he lives, which sounds a lot like the world in which we live right now. Now, Elkanah's name, we had a song, it was Elohim, uh, but the first, that first two letters, El means God. It means God. Elkanah means purchased or possessed. This man, Elkanah, was purchased and possessed by God. He was special, everybody. I want you to see that. And so in a world where there's no authority, where there's no rules, uh, where there's no morals, where there's unthinkable acts, we'll highlight that in a little bit, this man now, in the middle of all that, he shows up as this God-purchased, God-possessed, this, this, this man of God shows up in the middle of all of that craziness. And on top of that, that's what's happening in the world. But in the church at the same time, the prophet Eli, who I contrasted earlier, he's the high priest. And he's lost his way. The Bible says, the Bible said this, I didn't say this, he was fat and blind. And it had not only physical but spiritual implications. He, he had no vision for the people anymore. He couldn't see. He was fleshy. He was extremely carnal in his lifestyle, in his behaviors. And as a byproduct of this carnality in which he was living, he produces these worthless sons, the Bible says. Actually calls them that. And these particular sons were really, really bad in so many ways. And so his offspring are a huge problem. His offspring's names were Hophni and Phinehas. Sounds like a skin disease. But in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Eli's sons were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. So, so now, in this particular time, that's what's happening in the world. But also, in the church, uh, um, 
uh, Elkanah comes on the scene and, and he's going to a church where the priests that were doing the ministry didn't even know God. They're talking about things they know not of. They're teaching things that are not, they're not real. They're not a part of their life. In fact, they were so wicked, the Bible says that when people were coming to church, particularly women, they would be spying out the women to try to think about which ones they would lay with, they would sleep with. Can you imagine the doctrine that was being espoused from the platform of that particular church at that particular time to convince or to, uh, to, uh, to manipulate women to sleep with the pastors? This, this is the season, the time, the environment that Elkanah is, is in. And the Bible says that he was faithful in this situation to go to church year after year after year. He's in a bad situation. And so don't tell me that my family and my circumstances and my sphere of influence is, 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 is worse than what we see in the Bible. And don't tell me you can't change the situation because if a no-name regular guy, average Joe, named Elkanah could change the situation, you can too. You can too. Can I have an amen out there? So there's trouble. There's trouble outside. There's trouble inside. And he comes on the scene. So I want you to see that change starts with the man of God. Number one. So then there's trouble. If that's not enough, everybody say, if that's not enough. Five minutes, 36 seconds, praise the Lord. If that's not enough, there's trouble in his family. First Samuel chapter 1, verse 2, and the Bible says, and he had two wives. I don't recommend two wives. That's funny. I don't care what you say. One is enough. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say one is enough. Okay? One is plenty. And the two wives were named Hannah and Penina. And, and Hannah couldn't have children, the Bible says, I'm paraphrasing. Penina could, but Penina, what she would do is she would provoke severely, uh, disturb and provoke Hannah who couldn't have children. I don't know what it was like at the dinner table, but she's just making her feel bad, calling all the kids by name, making her feel, you know, like special. And then she'd look at, you know, Hannah, ha, 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 you can't say that. And then there must have been a bunch of, imagine this, two wives in a home, one has kids, one doesn't have kids. The end result of all of that, ladies, you know what it is. Drama. All you girls are good for some drama, okay? You know that to be true, okay? And so there's tons of tension at the home, all right? And so, and Elkanah's just trying to be a good guy and live his life, you know? And this is all going on in his house, but he stays strong. He remains faithful. He's purchased. He's a possessed man of God. In verse 3, it says, year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and to make sacrifices to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh. So even though the church leaders were jacked up, he still believed in the principle of going to church and serving God and making sacrifices to God and worshiping God. Are you with me, everybody? And he keeps doing this over and over and over again. And in verse 21, it says, Elkanah, he brings a sacrifice. And when her husband, Elkanah, went up with his family, everybody say, with his family. <laughs> Who's bringing the family to church? Dad. Dad's bringing the family to church, not mom. I mean, I'm, I, I'm sorry, guys. I'm a little sick and tired of moms leading spiritually. Uh, ladies, be careful. Shh. Husbands, let me, let me do the heavy lifting. Husbands, it's time. We're living in a jacked up world out there. Praise God, we don't have the same kind of church going on in here. Come on, somebody. But we're living in a messed up world, and we're going to lose not only our family, but families after us if we don't lead our homes, everybody. 
And so he brought his family to church with all that drama, all that mess. You don't wait and get it all worked out, then come to church. No, you come to church with all that stuff. Hannah's probably rolling her eyes. Penina's probably like poking and stoking. The kids are probably like, I don't want to go to church. Those two pastors don't know what they're talking about. Hoffman and Phineas, give me a break. I saw them scoping out the ladies. Why would I want to go there? We're going to church, Elkanah says. Get your butt in church. Get your butt in the car. We're going to church. Get your butt on the donkeys. We're going to church. And you know what? Some of you quit on God and think it didn't work. I did that before. It will work. And it does work. Listen, you never know. You never know when that divine appointment will take place. Remember I told you, sometimes the only thing that can repair or fix your situation, it's not going to be a counselor. It's not going to be a, a preacher. It's going to be an encounter with God. And you never know when that's going to happen. But I can tell you what, it's more likely to happen in the house of the Lord than it is to happen in your house. It's more likely to happen that way. So, just saying... So Elkanah, he sees this family drama, but he loves his wife. He loves his wife, Hannah. And the Bible, she's hurting. She's hurting because she wants to have kids. And the Bible says he gave her a double portion because he loved her. I love this about the man of God is he serves his wife back to health. He serves her selflessly, and he made effort to bring her back to life to assist her, her connection with God. And he's like, in so many words, he's like, I'll give you anything you got, like, Am I not better than ten sons, he says in the, in the scripture there. Like, I, I, I'll be all that for you. I'll do everything I can. But again, ladies, sometimes things, there's some things that you're putting on your husband that are not meant to be on your husband. Your husbands can't fix, repair everything. Yeah. Counseling can't do it. Medications can't do it. There's just sometimes the only thing that can fix it is you having an encounter with God. But men, listen, you can set that potential opportunity for that divine appointment up. By bringing your family into the presence of God on a regular basis. She at this point had not had an encounter with God. But because of his faithfulness, not his passivity, but his passion and his commitment, an opportunity became possible. And so one day, insecure, depressed, anxious, hurting, she's in the house of the Lord. She's being offered a sacrifice, double portions from her husband. And the Bible says in so many words, in that moment, in that environment, she starts to weep and break down. And this is the point of breakthrough for her, ladies. And sometimes it's the point of breakthrough for anyone in this similar situation. She excuses herself from the table where they're eating. And she goes into the temple. And I can imagine her getting down on her knees. I don't know if they had pillows there. But she gets on her knees before God. And on a certain spot, she begins to cry out to God. And just parenthetically, it's not enough, ladies, for just a man to be on fire for God to change a family. Yes. You have to be on fire for God. Amen. Now, the story changes right here in this story. It changes from one man on fire for God to a woman getting on fire for God. But the key to the story, again, was a faithful, purchased, possessed man of God. But eventually, the woman receives a touch from God. The wife receives a touch from God. She says, give me a child, Lord. And Eli hears her muttering and praying. And first of all, he thinks she's drunk, but then she explains, no, I'm not drunk. I'm just hurting. And he says, may it be so, if not by this time next year, that your request be granted. And so it was in a year from that point. She, she has a child and his name was Samuel. Now we don't have one person on fire. We have two people on fire for God because of one person's faithfulness. And this child was named Samuel. Everybody say Samuel. And he became the, the replacement for these horrible pastors 
and this horrible high priest who was ending weak. And she eventually, I got to move fast, but she eventually brings her son back to, that, to the temple. And she, I believe, you can look at this on your own, so just trust your pastor on this. She brings him back to that same spot where she encountered God. Verse 26, 1 Samuel 2. And she said to him, pardon me, Lord, as surely as I live, I'm the woman who stood right here beside you praying to the Lord. And I prayed for this child. Samuel, right? Yeah, right. And the Lord God right here granted me my request at this very spot. It wasn't my awesome husband. No, it was a mighty God who did that. And I met the Savior here. I met a healer here. I met a deliverer here. I met a miracle worker here. Son, do you see that? Are you guys catching the significance of this process that happens? This home improvement process that takes place. And that boy who saw that, who observed that in his father, later becomes the high priest of the nation of Israel. And he anoints the next king. And this particular king brings back what wasn't seen in the book of Judges. No king. No, now there is a king. Now there is moral authority. Now there is the presence of God and the Ark of the Covenant back brought into the people of God. And the whole nation changes. Because of one man. Everybody say, one man. One man of God on fire for God. And because of that, the family was blessed. One man touched by God. One Mother or wife touched by God. Now families blessed by God. First Samuel 2.21, and the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Now she's got five kids, everybody. See, when you get, she gave Samuel back to the Lord because he kept his promise. And then God said, oh, I'm going to give you much more than you asked of me. And now she has five children because she put God first in her life. And she's on fire for God as well. And then the Bible talks about this little thing that sometimes is missed in there. But it's not just now a man's on fire for God. It's not just a wife is on fire for God. It's not just a son that follows the, 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 the God of his father. It's not just a family now that's blessed. Now the church experiences the presence of God again. 1 Samuel 3.21 says, The Lord continued to appear in Shiloh. He wasn't in Shiloh, the city of God, where the high priest Eli was leading. Now, now because of Elkanah, that transition person, now Samuel is there and the, the presence of God has been restored back to the, to the kingdom of God and to the community of God and to the church of God. And the Bible says, and God gave messages to Samuel there at church. At New Living Translation, it says. Right that same spot where my mama took me. Of you get this. When I was a boy, my mom took me to church and she showed me where I encountered God. That same spot, I'm getting messages from him. That aren't just for me, they're for everybody. My last point, because all because of one man of God. I want you to stand to your feet. TC and Framingham, I'm going to dismiss you in a second, but this campus pastors, will you do me a favor? I want you to pray for all the dads there and all the men there that will be dads. Let's not have a salvation call. Let's have a leader call at all campuses. I release you guys. God bless you. Thank you for being with us this morning. With every head bowed, though, in this room, every eye closed, I'm going to do something I haven't done in a long time. 
if this message, I'm speaking to the men, if this message, I don't care if you're 13, 23, 53, 73, if this message has been provoking you in your spirit, I want you to come down front right to the altar right here. We're going to pray together. I want all the men, I want you to come down. I want you to respond to a leader call. It's time to lead. It's time to lead. It's time to lead. Fill the altar right in front of me. Come right in front of me. It's okay. I think you've underestimated your significance. Thank you, Jesus. time. Thank you, Lord. Worship team, you can come behind me in a minute. I want to pray for these guys. Fill it in right here. Fill it in. Get close to each other. Come on in tight. Thank you, Lord. Church, can you just celebrate these men that are responding? Can you just celebrate them? With your head bowed, your eyes closed, you have to decide today, are you going to live like Eli or are you going to live like Elkanah? Eli was passive. He was so passive. He saw sin and did nothing about it. He tolerated it. I want you to get to a place where you don't tolerate that stuff anymore in your house. It doesn't mean you're ruthless and dominating and mean-spirited. No. It starts with you. Your life, the standards you hold of yourself, your prayer life, your spiritual life, your leadership of yourself. Before you lead your family, lead yourselves. Lead yourselves. Will you knowingly continue to tolerate sin? Or will you get an intolerance of sin in your own life before you can even possibly expect your children or those after you to follow you? Will you live like Elkanah, a God-purchased, God-possessed man Will you live committed? Will you lead your marriage, not just you, and your family spiritually? Will you pick up that torch today in Jesus' name so that children are not exasperated, frustrated, and discouraged, and anxious? Will you say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? Will your children be able to say, I served the God of my father. Now, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every single young man, every single man who one day will be married, every newly married man, every married man, every married man with children, every grandfather of children. I pray in Jesus' name. Come on, church, raise your hands and extend it toward them. I pray in Jesus' name for a leadership anointing to come over every single one in this space right now, I pray that you would enable them to live the life that you have called them to live in the world and also in the church. In the world, in the church, and also in their homes in Jesus' name. Lord, the assignment is beyond them in many respects. It's above their pay grade. It's, it's overwhelming in many respects. But I pray, Lord, it starts with a decision. It starts with a heart that is desirous to please God more than anybody else to be on fire for God. One man on fire for God saved a family 
and saved a society over and over again. Now, right where you are, you just repent during this song as they worship. I just want you to get right with God. Guys, you do it however you need to do it. Get right with God and just dedicate your life to Him again. I love you. I'm proud of you. Thank you for responding. We believe in you as a church. We know that God's going to use you in a mighty way. This is going to be your best year. But just get right with Him right now. Stay right here at the altar and worship Him in Jesus' name.